0: Would you stand with me this morning as we read God's Word? I think you could use a little stretch, a little shaking, shaking out your legs a minute. You would sit in a minute. In Luke chapter 19, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was very wealthy. What you have to know about tax collectors in these days is they were usually pretty crooked. A lot of times they stole from the people, they weren't like, you know, your nice tax people that we have now, even though maybe you don't like tax people now, I don't know, but they, they weren't like structured, they were They stole from the people, so people did not like tax collectors. So Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector, and he was very wealthy. And so he wanted to see who Jesus was because he was short. He couldn't see over the crowd, and so he ran ahead of the crowd, and he climbed up a tree so that he would be there when Jesus passed by. And the scripture says that when Jesus stopped where Zacchaeus was, I love that he stopped right there. He didn't keep going. He stopped, and he looked up at Zacchaeus, and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I've got to go to your house. And so the people began to murmur and say, how could Jesus go to the house of a sinner? How would he, why would he do that? And so Zacchaeus, when he gets to his house, he says, Lord, I'm going to give half of everything that I have back to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to repay them four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Now, I want to talk for you with you this morning of uh, why I think salvation came to the house of Zacchaeus and what we can learn from that today. So let's pray. Father, thank you that you come to us in all seasons, at all times, you never leave us, you never forsake us. I pray that our hearts would be receptive to whatever you want to share today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you are seated, turn to your neighbor and say, You are good looking. You are good looking. I'm helping you out, single people. Come on, that's why we do the meet and the greet. We're trying to help you all out. I know it's hard out there. <laughs> so this morning, you know, I wanna look at the life of Zacchaeus, but I wanna talk to you about why I think salvation came to his house. Because Jesus literally is salvation, right? Literally salvation came to Zacchaeus' house that day. But I don't believe salvation came because he decided he was going to give half of what he had to the poor. I don't think salvation came to his house because he said, I'm going to pay people back for the wrong I've done to him. I believe salvation came to his house that day because he was receptive and he wanted all that Jesus had for him. He wanted to be with Jesus. There is power when you live your life with receptivity. Now that's kind of a funny word, right? Everybody say receptivity. Receptivity. I want to tell you what that means if you've never heard that word. Receptivity is your ability and your willingness uh, to take in information and ideas. That's the definition. But I'll go on to say it's a person that lives with their arms wide open. Being a person who is receptive is a person who is inclined to receive. That's how we should come to church every time these doors are open. We should be so excited to get into the house of the Lord. We should be like, man, I can't wait to get there. I'm ready to worship. I'm ready to give. I'm ready to hear the word. I'm ready to make a friend. I'm ready to see how my life's going to change because I'm here with the spirit of receptivity. You know, receptivity, it will open doors for you. Receptivity will cause people to get to want to know you that otherwise would not want to know you. It opens doors of favor for you. It causes people to want to be good to you, to want to bless you. It causes doors of opportunity to open for you that otherwise would not open if you didn't live with the spirit of receptivity. You know, Joey is a great example of a person that lives with his arms wide open, always receptive. I actually met him about a year and a half after he had accepted the Lord, so he had already begun his radical transformation. I didn't know him before he knew the Lord. Uh, I've only seen pictures, I've heard stories, things he's told me, things other people have told me, and so I only knew him um, after he met the Lord. Before he knew the Lord, he had hair, believe it or not, all all one length, I've seen it in pictures, and when he came to the Lord, he wanted to change, and so he just shaved his whole head, and, and so I've only known him as the handsome, anointed, bald man. Amen. That's all I know. That's all I know. But from the moment that I met him, and that was over 21 years ago. From the moment that I met him, he has always lived with that spirit of receptivity. There are no gray areas with Joey. He is all Jesus all the time, and he always has been all Jesus all the time. He's not the guy that puts Jesus up on the shelf and picks him back up at a more convenient time. He lives and he breathes what God has done in his life because he knows what his life was before he met Jesus. So when I first landed my eyes on him in church, I, all of a sudden, became inclined to receive. I'm like, I am gonna receive me a man. (laughs) Yeah, Lord. Not just any man, I want that man. Listen, if you've been in church any length of time, you know that there are always a lot more women than there are men. And so some of my single ladies, where's my single ladies at? I know you're here. All right, I know it's hard sometimes to find a godly man even in the church because there's just slim pickings. And so because of that fact, when Joey uh, came to the church in Roseville, that he accepted the Lord, and you guys, it was like ridiculous. These girls came out of the woodwork. Every single girl that was at the church all of a sudden was at every single service where Joey was, and even some of the not-so-single girls were there, too. <clears throat> this thing got ugly. I mean, there was people telling Joey, it is God's will for me to marry you. I had a dream that I'm supposed to marry you. And then he had mothers going up to him and saying, you're supposed to marry my daughter, I just know that you are. And I'm over in the corner like going, what in the world are these crazy people? Back up, ladies! my man I'm inclined to receive not you but so during this time in his life Joey had already started ministering in different churches he was uh, traveling with Donnie Moore if you if you know anything about Donnie he was a traveling revival everywhere that he went And because Joey lived his life receptive and with open arms, God caused Donnie to take a liking to Joey and and to have favor with Joey. And they began to travel together, and Donnie began to mentor him and show him how to do certain things. And so they traveled and went to high schools and colleges, and they spoke to professional athletes, and they spoke in churches, and they did all kinds of things. And Joey was very new to the Lord. He was still growing in his faith and laying that foundation of his faith. And so during this time, he had been asked to minister at a church in the Bay Area, so not far from here. And he was so excited about it because he had just started preaching and you know, he's got a gift to preach obviously. And so uh, the pastor would have him come quite often to speak at his church and he loved going there. And so I was at the Lord's Gym in Roseville one day, that's the original Lord's Gym where Joey uh, was able to accept the Lord as the original gym in Roseville. So Joey served there at that gym. And so because Joey served there, I served there too. If he would've worked at McDonald's, I probably would've gotten a job there. Thankfully, he didn't. <laughs> but because he was serving there, of course I was serving there, ladies, come on, serve. Men, serve, you're looking for, you're, just get involved. That's, how, that's the best way to meet people. But anyway, Joey was off training some kids or doing something, so I was helping work behind the desk at the Lord's Gym, and in walks this girl. She was probably in her early 20s, and she's looking for Joey because she goes to the church that he's been speaking at, and she just wants to see the gym that he's been talking about. So I'm suspicious because number one, she's a girl. Number two, she brought her girlfriends with her. Number three, she had to drive really far, about three hours to get there. And number four, um, she was the pastor's daughter. And I was like, oh no, she didn't. I was very nice. I was very friendly, but needless to say, we did end up getting engaged a few short months after that meeting, and I have to tell you, Joey was never invited back to speak at that church again. He was so crushed over it, I was not. I was fine with that, I was fine with that. So you have time for one more story? Okay, so we get married and for our honeymoon, we went to Disneyland for one day and then we rented some convertible that Joey drove like a bat out of Hades in it because it was a rental car and he drove us all over LA crazy, like crazy. And I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? And so then we take a cruise to Mexico where he gets on a golf cart in Catalina and he takes us off the edge of the island. But anyway, that's not the story. So we're we're on this cruise and on this cruise ship, they assign you your seating. So you don't sit wherever you want to, you sit with this particular group of people. So the first night we sit down with this group of people and we're looking around to see who we're going to be talking with now for the next three nights. And I look over to the end of the table and literally the devil is sitting there. There is a man at the end of the table. He's got horns on his head. He's got a crazy goatee. He's covered in tattoos and he introduces himself as Louis Ossifer, a.k.a. Lucifer. So he becomes a novelty on the ship. Like people are taking pictures with him, and he's like super obnoxious, super loud, and everybody's like so into him. Ah, he's so funny. He's so funny. Except the only person not giving him attention was Joey, and it was driving him crazy. He kept trying to be so boisterous and so outlandish to try to get Joey's attention, and Joey just didn't care. He's like, whatever. That's your thing. Be a devil. That's fine. Um, so finally. The third night comes, the last night of the cruise comes, and the devil, he just couldn't take it anymore. He said to Joey, he, he, he was so curious to know what did Joey do for a living because he's a big guy, and, and, and so we get all kinds of random things of what does Joey do for a living if they don't know he's a pastor. People have said, are you a wrestler? They have asked him if he is a cop. They have thought he's an MMA fighter. I mean, he's been all kinds of crazy things people have thought he was, and so they, the devil says to Joey, hey, what do you do for a living? Well, because Joey's a person that lives with his arms wide open, he began to share his testimony of transformation of what God has done in his life. And so he's sharing the story and everybody's paying close attention. And I look over to my left and I see the devil and he's starting to cry. And I thought, man, even the devil can be moved when somebody has that spirit of receptivity. It's so true. You never know who you're gonna meet. A fun side note on that particular cruise, there happened to be some families from that church in the Bay Area that Joey had been speaking at where they hadn't had him anymore. So I I have to tell you the truth that, I mean, I flaunted myself so hard because I wanted those people to go back and tell that little skinny pastor's daughter that the one with the curves landed the man. I know that's so wrong to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know, but it's, I'm sorry, but it's so true, so true. But there's something that I want us to learn from a person who has that spirit of receptivity. You know, Joey's not a guy that has hobbies. He's not a guy that is into sports. He's not your average pastor that sees his job as a a job and an assignment. He lives his dreams outside of church. He lives and he breathes the word of God. He is consumed with helping people. That's why when I say he's a rare breed, he really is. There's nobody like him. He is always thinking about how he can help people with the word. You have to know that in 1997, when Joey accepted the Lord in Roseville, there was a revival happening at the church that he was at. And when a revival is happening, that just simply means that there's a lot of people that are receiving God at one time. It means that there's healings taking place. It means that people are being filled with the spirit, being called into their destiny. and There's excitement in the house, and people can't wait to get to church. That's what revival is. And so at this time, that's where he came to the church in 1997, and he experienced revival. And then he starts traveling with Donnie, who was a walking revival everywhere he went, every school assembly, every church. He'd be at a restaurant. I mean, revival happened always. So Joey lived in this vein of revival fire for 11 straight years of always every service. I mean, it was, it was always revival. It was always exciting. It was always people being saved and healed. And this, this revival fire was traveling with Joey everywhere he went. Fast forward to 2010 when we take over a church to pastor. We've never pastored before. We had nobody leading us or mentoring us or helping us or giving us wisdom. We just were literally leading on God to help us figure it out and we come into this, this church that was um, not doing well financially. It, In fact, was facing foreclosure very soon in the next few months. Uh, many of the people had already left the church by now. And here comes Joey, who's this revivalist. He's got this revival fire that burns inside of him. And now we're faced with some people in the church that just want to carry on a religious format because they're used to that. And, and coming from the backgrounds Joey and I come from, we both grew up in trauma, we're not able to be phony and religious, we're just not that way, and so it didn't, it, it didn't mesh well. So we started off kind of rocky, and it was a really difficult start in the beginning, because you take this revivalist, and now he's a revivalist without a revival. And so you can sense sometimes frustration in him, because his sole desire is to see people come to know the Lord. And so over the 10 years that we've been pastoring, we've seen thousands, I mean literally, that's not an exaggeration, thousands of people come to the Lord. And so we've had glimpses of that revival fire But now we're at the point, and you'll sense it sometimes when he says, I hate empty seats. Why why can't you invite your friends? It's not because he wants to fill the church with people. It's because that revival fire burns so strong in him that he was created to flow in that gift. And when he's not able to do that, it's frustrating. So my prayer for all of us is that we would catch a little bit of that revival fire that our leader is burning with. And we would catch that wind, and we catch that fire, and we would want to be a part of what God is doing. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. There's a difference between just listening and understanding. If you've got ears to hear, I want you to listen, but I want you to understand. It goes on to say, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding will be given, and you'll receive even more. Jesus is is telling us, I need you to understand. Don't just listen, because you can be hearing me right now, but not really hearing my voice, right? We don't hear what God's saying to us in church because we're distracted. We don't hear what's happening in our marriages because we're distracted distracted. We don't hear what's happening with our children or with our friends or with our jobs because we're so distracted, and if we don't hear, we certainly don't understand. See, receptivity is so important in church because you can have the best atmosphere, and we do, we have the best atmosphere that you could possibly have here in this city. You can have the best worship team, and we do, we've got the best. You can have the most anointed preaching and teaching, and we do, we've got the best. But if we don't come in here with a spirit of receptivity, meaning I'm coming to church, I'm ready to receive, I wanna hear what God's gonna do, then this service will just be flat, it'll be lackluster, it'll be boring, you'll go home and you won't ever access what God has available for you to access. The more familiar that we become with, oh, church, it's just church, oh, that's just Joey, we become familiar with what happens here, then the less understanding we need to operate in. And if we need to operate in less understanding, eventually we get to the point where we don't hear at all. And there's no change in our lives, and our walk with God becomes a religious relationship because no longer do you enter your relationship with the spirit of receptivity so you no longer expect God to do anything in your life because you're not living with open arms, ready to receive it. Why don't we have the rich encounters with God that we so desire to have? Why don't we have the wealth of God's knowledge, the depth of his love? It's because of the scripture. Some of us just aren't hearing God. Many of us are hobbling through life and we're just like barely making it from one thing to the next and we're all giving half of ourselves to everything instead of giving our full selves to something. We're splintered. We're we're splintered here and we're splintered there. You know, it's such an act of generosity to live your life receptive. Uh, So I wonder this morning, are your arms open wide today like Zacchaeus climbed up that tree to get to Jesus, to see his face? I love the story in Luke chapter 5. It's the story of the the friends that had a, a friend who was paralyzed, and he was on a mat. He couldn't move. And they knew Jesus was at this particular house, and they wanted to get their friend to this particular house because they knew if they could get him to Jesus, that he could be healed. And so the story is told that the house was so full of people they couldn't get their friend in the door. So they actually take some tiles off of the roof and they begin to lower their friend through the roof. It's a powerful story of the faith of a friend. But what catches my attention is that house was full. It was so full nobody could get in there because people were so receptive. That's how church should be. It's so full, they can't get in here. We have to add more services because people are so receptive to what God's doing because a life is going to be changed. You know, receptivity is like faith. It opens doors for you. Receptivity opens doors for you. Pat, if you'd come, and we're going to close our time this morning, Uh, would you hand me that Bible, please? Give this handsome man a round of applause. <laughs> looking all good, his cute little jacket, his nice shoes, shiny head, little Garnier Fructis this morning, looking good. I love this passage of scripture in Nehemiah chapter eight. It says he read from it, meaning his Bible, in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday, before the men and women. And those who could understand, there was a difference. Those who could understand. And the ears of all the people, they were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe, he stood on a platform of wood, which they'd made for the purpose of reading the word that day. And and Ezra, it says that when he opened up the word, the people just automatically stood up just because he opened it. And the scripture goes on to say that as he read it, people were shouting, amen, amen, and they were falling to their faces in worship just because the book was opened. That's receptivity. The Jewish people have such a wonderful, holy awe for God because that was the Old Testament they were reading from. We have the New Testament, we have this great covenant, we've got this great hope. There's gotta be a holy awe as we go to the Lord. That's what it means to live your life with open arms. Receptivity is the difference between allowing the Holy Spirit to do a partial work in your life just a little bit, or allowing God to so move in your world that he's constantly showing you new things because you're so receptive for it. Do you know that if you're receptive, you will charge the atmosphere with your faith? You're responsible for the atmosphere that you live in. You absolutely are, because you can be going through the most difficult of seasons, but if you do it with your head held high and you know who lives inside of you, you can speak faith into your atmosphere. You don't have to live in a place of discouragement or be downcast. Why so downcast, O my soul, King David said. Put your hope in God. There's a scripture in Matthew where Jesus says in his own hometown, I wasn't able to do many miracles because I was too familiar with the people. And so he wasn't able to do many miracles there because of familiarity. And I want us this morning as we close our time to be aware of familiarity. Becoming so familiar with God that it's just, that's just God. Becoming so familiar with your relationship, that's just that. You know, there's got to be a depth to our walk with the Lord. There's got to be a closeness and a, a love. He's our Father. He wants that communion with us. But can we not forget that He is awe and He is wonder? There's got to be an awe for God and a wonder for God, and reminding yourself that God, you hold the oceans with your hand. God, you measure heaven with your finger. You know the weight of the earth. Nobody needs to give you advice, God. You don't require any instruction. You're the creator of all things, you're the giver of life. You're the father to the fatherless. My God knows the very hairs on my head. My God knows the steps that He has ordered for me. My God can conquer any enemy that tries to rise against me. Every word that is spoken against me that is condemning and that is not out of this word, my God can defute that lie in my life. He's powerful. He's powerful. Yes, he's our father, yes, he's our best friend, but he's our creator. We never wanna be familiar because familiarity locks God out of his own house. And he can't do any miracles in that place when we're so familiar. I, I brought this Bible with me today. This was given to me when I was about 16. I accepted the Lord when I was 14 years old and I was given this Bible. And I used this Bible all throughout high school, all throughout Bible college and probably up until 7, 8, maybe 10 years ago where I finally put it away because it's kind of falling apart, and I got a new one. But I realized that nowadays I use my phone for my Bible. I use my phone for my devotional. And as I pulled this out last night, I just was remembering how good it feels to turn a page. How good does it feel to turn a page in this Word? familiarity keeps us on our phone, but freshness says, no, I'm going to find something. I'm going to actually look for it. I'm not just going to Google it. I'm going to feel these words as I read them. There's something so powerful about having an actual Bible. Young people, if you guys don't have one, we'll get you one. Because you've got to have this experience. I remember being a teenager and receiving this Bible, and I was so broken, I was so full of shame, I hated who I was, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror, I was so um, wounded from having lived in abuse for so long as a child, that when I read this Bible, it became life to me. And so there's notes all throughout this Bible of my journey and what God was doing and what he was showing me. And it's so fun as I've been reading it back. I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember when God did that. I remember when God did that. I don't ever want to be familiar with his word. There's so much life in here. Any good thing that I have in my life today is because of two things. Because of this word, because of devouring this word when I was a teenager. This is my foundation right here. And and because of being in the house of God, as a teenager, I got to church anytime I could. When that door was open, I was there. Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, any special thing, I would do all I could to be in God's house. And I reaped the rewards now because of the seeds that I sowed then. So I want to encourage you now as you have this opportunity in life to either be receptive and want all that God has for you as you're growing in your faith and maybe you've been serving God for a lot, a lot of years. But maybe, maybe you've gotten a little bit familiar. We all do. So maybe today is the moment where you allow your arms to fly open. Say, God, I want to be receptive to whatever you have for me. Could we stand this morning in this place? If you're new with us or you're watching online and you've never accepted the Lord, Scripture says that when you believe on Jesus, you'll be saved. So it's as simple as saying, Father, come into my heart. Change me. Make me the person that you want me to be. Say that prayer with us this morning and you will have received the Lord. We're thankful for you today. I'm going to ask if the worship team would lead us in a song uh, for a moment, whatever God has on, on their heart to do. And as they lead us, I want us to just take a moment and just put our arms open and be ready to receive whatever God has for you because he's willing to meet you he's willing to meet you he you're his priority there's nobody else he'd rather be with than with you there's nobody else he'd rather dwell inside than with you there's nobody else he'd rather bless than you. There's nobody else he'd rather protect. There's nobody else he would rather strengthen. There's nobody else he'd rather fill with his spirit than you. You are a prime candidate to receive all that God has for you this morning. Let's worship the Lord today.